Welcome to the Education and Empowerment Podcast. In this show, our hosts explore success and advancement through education by interviewing today's top leaders in the fields of education, business, and technology in order to provide insight into what it really takes to succeed. This show is brought to you by Forstay, a SaaS-enabled online booking marketplace for student and intern housing. Forstay provides turnkey, all-in-one, cloud-based accommodation software solutions for colleges, universities, and organizations. Learn more at offcampus.forstay.com and landlords.forstay.com. All right, let's get into the show. Welcome back to the Education and Empowerment Podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Wheatland, Wyoming rancher and businessman, Jim Mathis, who purchased WyoTech in 2018, a top-notch training school that generates career-ready graduates for the growing demand for mechanics in the automotive and diesel industry. Since its purchase, the school has grown exponentially. As a former student, second-time president, and now CEO and owner, Jim Mathis knows firsthand the value technical training has, not only on the ranching industry, but on all industries across America. Throughout his career, Jim has supported technical training schools across the country. From him, we can learn how important it is for students to get hands-on experience in American industries, giving students a real-world understanding of how it all comes together. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Jim Mathis. Welcome to Education and Empowerment Podcast. This Monday afternoon, we are so thrilled and excited to welcome the founder and CEO of Wyatech to our podcast. Wyatech is this amazing organization that I've personally had a pleasure of meeting at one of the education conferences. And today I thought I would bring the founder and CEO to talk about the role of career colleges in addressing job market challenges so that we can learn the examples of leadership from the man directly. Without further ado, Jim, thank you for joining and welcome to our podcast. Thank you, and it's my pleasure. That's amazing. So can you tell us how you got into higher education in the first place? Yeah, it's quite a story. I hated high school, and so I'm actually a dropout. I dropped out because I left home when I was 14 to work, and I loved working better than I did going to school. So eventually I actually quit my end of my junior year and they had promised me I could graduate and they changed mine a month before graduation. So there's more to it than just quitting. They promised me I could graduate. Anyway, quit and then started driving heavy equipment. Started in Texas. We were custom combiners and we drove trucks and combines and mechanic on them. And then that winter I was driving semis and thought, uh, and I was 17 years old, and I thought there would be nothing better than getting into owning a fleet of semis. So two years later, as an 18-year-old, a uh, year and a half later, I went to WyoTech to learn diesel mechanics, thinking I was going to eventually own my own fleet of semis. And halfway through school, I ended up one loving school, and second of all, I had some amazing teachers, and because I was interested, they were interested in me, and that just sparked a new passion. And so after I graduated, I had a new passion and that was to teach diesel mechanics and not just own semis. And so five months, yeah, five months after I graduated as a 19 year old kid, I begged my way into teaching 
which started a 26-year amazing career in the education field. 26 years, the first go around, I should say. So, yeah. That's great. So that's kind of how I fell into education. That's amazing. And I love your story because, you know, again, you know, you hear about all these, you know, big ventures and big companies, and it's all about, you know, school dropouts for some reason. So I find yeah. it very, you know, amusing at the same time. Now, you know, for people who don't know the differences between, you know, the career colleges and regular colleges, universities, can you shed a little bit more light on how they differ? Sure. The easiest way I explain it that most people should be able to understand is there's a difference between training and education. We train people. So when they leave our school, they have competencies that they can complete on rebuilding an engine or welding or you know upholstery or whatever. Versus education, most colleges educate. They really don't, have, those students really don't, they know a lot, but they really don't have that hands-on experience. And so for a career college, we give them the theory, but we also send them to the shop where they have to prove what they've learned in theory to make an engine run or a, a good bead on a weld or whatever the case may be. So there's a huge difference between training and education. And we do, a career college does both. Most colleges just do the education part. Yeah. You know, I didn't think of, you know, from that direction, you know, people think, oh, well, both of them actually provide education. So they must be educating. So appreciate your explanation on, you know, the training part of it, which I think is, you know, very, very unique. Speaking of which, you know, as you sort of looking at, you know, today's job market, you know, are you seeing any shortages in specific, you know, skills or trades? What is the overview that you can provide on the job market, which again, I'm sure it's very interconnected to what you're producing at Viatech as well. Yes, I can speak directly to the kind of the automotive and diesel world, as well as welding and fabrication world, because that's what we deal in. And so we have more jobs and employers wanting, seeking our students than we can provide students for. And so, and this is a national basis. Wyotech recruits students nationally. Mm -hmm. So only 5% of our students come from Wyoming. 95% comes from out of state. A typical student is a 19-year-old student that's traveled a thousand miles to attend school. And because of that, we place students back in their state, their home state, or wherever they want to go, but most of them want to go back to their home state. So right. we have a good feel of job opportunities on a national basis. And it's never been as great and lucrative for our students as it has been over the last two or three, four years. And we do not see that slowing up. Everybody needs tradespeople. And so we feel like we have a great niche in the automotive and transportation world, as well as welding and fabrication world. Wow. So if you were to sort of say, you know, which one is more prevailing, could you identify maybe a one or two that's like really popular, like everybody wants to get into? Well, uh, as far as the programs we offer, our, yes. two, our two top programs are automotive and diesel. And then our specialty programs that they have to add one specialty program onto our, what we call a core program. We have street rod building. We have chassis fabrication. Mm -hmm. We have associate degree in business management that the student can take. And then advanced diesel is very, very popular. And so, and then we have trim and upholstery and, and rebuild and race engines. And that's pretty popular. So it's a mix depending on what the student's interests are. But once they get to Wyoming and to Wyotech, they'll wander the shops. The next thing you know, you're 
actually taken several of those electives in addition to the one that they signed up for originally. So we have about a third of our students take an additional elective just because it's so exciting that they might have learned advanced diesel and then they want to learn how to do chassis fabrication or rebuild race engines in the automotive world. So it's a passion type deal, but there's it's also very lucrative on the uh, job basis once they leave. That's amazing. And, you know, as you speak to so many different founders and, you know, presidents and CEOs and, you know, people in, in higher education here, oh, you know, we have an amazing business degree or we have an amazing economics degree or an amazing, you know, computer science degree. It's very rare to hear, you know, the type of specialties and traits that, you know, what you're running at Biotech. To which I was actually hoping that maybe, you know, for the purpose of our, you know, audience, you can share a little bit more about, you know, Viatech, you know, as an example, as a successful example, and from your own stories of leadership, what is the overall philosophy as you were, you know, building this venture for the higher education? Yeah, we try to, Viatech tries to emulate business. So we are a very unique school, again, in Laramie, Wyoming, but our students, again, travel on, the typical students on average travels a thousand miles to attend school. Most of our students are 18 and 19 year old students. We have some older ones, but typically it's 18 or 19 year old student with their parents' support. So the, the parents are behind their son or daughter attending school. And what makes us very unique is, one, is our location. The town is only 35,000 people, and it's it, we brag about that because it's the third largest town in Laramie, or excuse me, third largest town in Wyoming. Laramie. But some of the unique features of us is we go to school eight hours and 20 minutes a day. So we emulate real work day. Wow. And so students, again, go to school eight hours, 20 minutes a day. Uh, our students are required to wear our uniform. They're required to uh, follow an attendance policy. They're required to follow a professionalism code where they have to be clean shaven every day. And so because of that, we set them up for amazing success. And again, this is all explained to them and their parents when we go through the admissions process. So there are no surprises or we don't right. want any student or parents to have a surprise. So we explain this, they actually sign an application and an enrollment agreement stating, yeah, I understand the rules and regulations and, and we're tough on attendance, we're tough on professionalism. And it's in an encouraging basis. But what it does is now employers come in every three minimum every three months. And now they're seeing these students in uniform that have abided by attendance policies mm. and they can't get enough of our students because they know that they're used to working eight hours and 20 minutes a day. They're used to some rules and regulations. And, and so they, they literally employers come from all over the United States, including Hawaii. They'll fly in from Hawaii every three months, Alaska, Georgia, mm -hmm. and um, and many of them will fly their private jets in and just to try to recruit our students because we are so unique and different than most trade schools or colleges. That's really inspiring, Jim. Uh, now, I wonder, though, if, you know, I am a prospective teacher, recruit me to your school. What What is like, what, why is teaching different at Wyatech and how is it different? Yeah. So from a teacher's perspective from a from a positive standpoint, and I'll start with the positive and then go to maybe the negative, is the positive is our teachers come from industry. Right. And we're always looking for teachers. So if, if people are hearing this and want to teach diesel mechanics or automotive or welding and fabrication, we're always hiring people. And so they normally they're passionate about their trade. 
most right. people that they love what they do, whether it's welding fabrication, but between age and a few bumps and bruises and everything else, they may want to teach for us. And, but they love to talk about diesel or cars or race engines or, you know, welding and fabrication or whatever the case may be. So again, and most of our teachers come from out of state, come in, in and teach, but it's, it, it is an eight hour and 20 minute day job. Right. And so, but we share the load. So there's minimum of normally two instructors per classroom and shop. And so they share the load and most of our teachers, in fact, all of them, I'd have to say, they're very passionate about seeing students learn. And right. so just like what happened and how it changed my life 45 years ago, I had a passionate instructor, several of them, and it literally changed my world. And so we are very picky about who we hire, but most of them are very passionate and they want to share their knowledge of what they've learned and the mistakes they've made and the tricks of the trade to our students. And we just love that. And because we want to see our students succeed, their success is our success. It's not our success, their success. It's our students' success is our success. So we are very, I think, one of the best out there in training students for the real world. I mean, that speaks volume for, you know, the type of standards I'm sure you've implemented to, you know, to, to adhere to those levels. Is it is it easy to be a student at Biotech? What does it take to be a student at Biotech? What are the requirements for the students? Yeah, the requirement is they have to have a high school diploma or GED, high school equivalency, and then they have to be interviewed by our admissions people right. and their parents have to be, if they're under age, 24 years or younger or and single, they have to be, well, everybody has to be interviewed because we want to make sure it's a fit for them and us. So we aren't, we don't claim to be all things to all people. So we aren't for everybody. They have to understand our differences and say, yes, I'm willing to accept those differences. And I see the value in those differences of going to school eight hours, 20 minutes a day and being clean shaven every day as an example and wearing a uniform. And if they see that, that we're truly trying to help them then we go through the process of enrolling them. And then we work with, you know, again, their parents and our, our financial aid department and everything else to see if we can't get them qualified with financial aid. And, and normally people have to bring some cash to the table as well. But we have, we're, we're very well organized, very uh, techie behind the scenes. Right. And so we try to communicate our, the good, the bad, the ugly. So there are no surprises. And because we are growing so fast. I think we're doing okay. I mean, you know, we aren't getting a lot of students that come in and say, oh, I never knew about that. They know they're signing on the dotted line that they understand what they're getting into from a financial standpoint, from a professionalism standpoint, and they love us, you know, as a whole, students love it. In fact, yeah, um, just got off a earlier conference call and, and our employees that work at WildTech, we have a very high happy rate we, right. we rate them every six months you know or they, they rate themselves you know and it's in the high 90s as far as the employees love what they do at wild tech because they're training students that are passionate our people are passionate about seeing their success and so it's an exciting place to be so i couldn't say even better than you know what you just described and you know as i'm as i'm hearing from you i'm really inspired you know to know that you're running such a complex you know very strong organization and you know you started describing you know the the bad and the ugly so to speak yeah. but you were to sort of reflect back to you know your years of you know service and leadership in this space 
What makes Wyotech different? What are some of the challenges that you're seeing in running an educational, you know, institution like this? And what are some of the successes that you want, you know, your successors to know or someone who's interested actually in running the same organization as yours? Well, the big thing is leadership matters. You know, I don't care if it's in a church, a family, a business, leadership matters. And I've got quite a history with Wildtech. I spent 26 years the first go around from 1976 and then as a student and then start teaching in 1976 all the way up to 2002. And I, as a president CEO, I sold the company for a parent company in 1999. Three years later, we sold it again underneath my leadership to a big, huge corporate company. I did not approve of them or like them or trust them and left. But during that period, when I just before I became president, then president, the first go around around 1997, we were a beat down organization. We survived by stabbing someone else in the back. Right. And when I became president, I knew that we had to have we had to quit focusing on each other's faults. Right. And start having a bigger vision. And what was that vision? Well, we'd never been over 550 students. So we set a goal of 2,000 students by the year 2000. This is 1997, 98 timeframe. We achieved that goal a year early. Oh. So we did it in 19, by 1999. But we got focused, we got our employees focused on a goal and a vision, not necessarily on everybody's fault. Because the faults will take care of themselves if everybody's pulling in the same direction, wanting to achieve the same goals. And so I'm a big fan of what is the vision for an organization and how are you going to lead them and not that you're always going to achieve every single goal or vision or whatever right but if you're pulling together a team that cares about the vision and cares about each other good things will happen well i'm really thrilled because you know when you speak about vision that's one of those moments you know the this the the art and the future state of mind and that kind of unites everybody so you know your your vision your philosophy has you know really impacted you know the way you're running the organization which kind of reminds me that you know there, there is so much discussion these days about what the future is like for this industry and that industry and since you are in sort of the you know automotive industry you know in, in one way or another and you know, a personal example that I want to bring, you know, DC quite recently had DC car show, you know, auto show. Yes. <laughs> and I was amazed at, you know, the type of cars that came in, you know, at the amount of cars and the new features and, you know, the new sort of functionalities. They even integrated, you know, artificial intelligence. You can talk to your car and, you know, set your directions or, you know, give you, you know, translation of, you know, this and that. And even for like, yep. Uber drivers have like several different languages that you can speak to. I just left speechless. Now, I wonder though, from, from your perspective, what is this big vision or what is this big future for, you know, the industry you're in and what are you preparing students for, I guess, you know, are they aligned? Are they catching up on all these, you know, new developments or yeah. Yes. Great question. And we try to stay within a couple of years of industry. So as, you know, the, the more technology is advanced and being put onto vehicles, we stay within two or three years normally of that because we know that with new technology, there's a lot of warranty work. And so if we place our students with a dealership, they're going to want a student, a graduate, and right. again, we only claim we have entry-level technicians. I'll put that out there. But they're going to want to 
hire a student that is a, aware of the higher technology that's being placed in these vehicles. Right. So we try to, we don't rebuild engines anymore as far as in our automotive program. We do in our high performance engine, racing mm. engine, but for automotive, we don't. So we spend a lot of time on your technology of the computers in those cars. And even to include some EV electric vehicles, we don't have an electric vehicle. We have some hybrids right now, but we still touch on them. We just build a 90,000 square foot addition. We have 320,000 square feet, total square feet, but we just completed 90,000 square feet for our new automotive shop. And in that we put in charging stations for EV vehicles. And so we're pretty up to date compared to a lot of schools out there. Wow. What makes the future future from your, you know, wisdom perspective? If, if you were to, you know, consult and train, you know, a few more gyms, you know, so to speak, to run the same institutions, not in Wyoming, maybe in, in Iowa or, you know, California or somewhere else, what would you tell them? Yeah. One, it's a fun deal. <laughs> I I love challenges. I love growing businesses. I love building teams. Amazing. And I've always said I'm not. You're that really good smart. at that for sure. Yeah, I'm not very smart, but I'm smart enough to hire smarter people than me. And so, so I come up with a vision and help set the standards of what we're going to live by. And then I'm I find team members that say, Yeah, I I understand where you want to go. I think I can help you get there and, or I'm willing to, you know, abide by the standards and, and hold people or employees or students, whatever, to those standards in a positive way, because it's right. a positive thing. It's, not, it's kind of like law and grace in the Bible, you know? So we want to show grace, but we have to have some, some structure on that. And so for leaders, one, come up with a vision, one, be able to believe in what they're offering. Right. You know, I could never go run a company if I didn't believe in the product. I don't care if it's a car dealership or selling shoes. If I don't believe in it, you know, you can pay me a lot of money, but I still probably wouldn't take the job. I am passionate about what we do because I see the end results and our success of our students and graduates. And it's very rewarding to me to see the Jim Mathis of the world that started off with nothing at high school dropout, and then the lights come on, and now I can lead teams to provide some great people out there. And there's nothing better for me anyway than having a vision and building teams and seeing our students succeed. I'm really inspired by the work that you do, Jim. And, and I can certainly see that there's a very huge role that Wyotech and similar institutions play in addressing, you know, job market shortages. Like, you know, I, I can't imagine you know, the world where you don't have technicians or you don't have, you know, you know, people who are skilled at providing these, you know, such an important, you know, industry related skills, right? Yep. Whether it's electrician or something else. I recently had a situation myself where I had to, you know, fix our, you know, washer and dryer and I got stuck in YouTube trying to figure yes. out how to fix this. And then you know, I ended up actually, Absolutely. you know, finding a local service who, you know, came by and fixed it in five minutes. I had spent, yeah. well, maybe like three or four hours. So what you're doing is very inspiring and very much needed. On behalf of Education and Empowerment Podcast, I wanted to tell you, thank you so much for, you know, coming and for doing what you're doing. 
you know, our core founding team at Force Day very much believes in student success outside of classroom. That's the reason why we came up and we, you know, are thrilled to provide institutions like yours with a lot of resources for, you know, setting up housing solutions. And, you know, anywhere your students go, they success, as you said, your success and vice versa. Yep. So thank you so much again for sparing your time with us this afternoon. You're very welcome. It's my pleasure. Amazing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Education and Empowerment Podcast. This show is brought to you by Forstay, a SaaS-enabled online booking marketplace for student and intern housing. Forstay provides turnkey, all-in-one, cloud-based accommodation software solutions for colleges, universities, and organizations. Learn more at offcampus.forstay.com and landlords.forstay.com.